The journey and its adventures. Oh, boy. This is going to be fun. This series is starting today, and um, I'm so excited about it. It may go all summer, but we'll, we'll have to just figure that out uh, in, in due time. But the journey and its adventures, and, and, and here's where this, this takes flight. Um, our walk with God is a journey. Amen? Think, think about it just for a second. It is a journey. Our life's a journey. Um, and when you walk with God and you focus on God and knowing God and, and growing in, in God, the journey has lots of adventures along the way. I got a friend, a couple friends who just had grandbabies, and um, that, that's an adventure, I'm sure. So um, anyway, anyway, so let's look, and, and here's what I want you to do. Turn to 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1, we'll read 1 through 5, and then we're going to go all the way through uh, 1 through 15. And I want you to do this for me. As we go throughout this day and this passage, please remember who wrote this. And through the entire sermon, remember this is Peter. And, and we all know, I mean, if, if you know the Bible, you know Peter was a pistol. Right? I mean, he screwed up more than most disciples did, except Judas, and that's a whole other sermon, I guess. But uh, Peter, Peter's amazing to me. Like, Peter, when I read about Peter, I feel good about myself. Sometimes. Or I can relate to him. Second Peter 1, 1 through 5, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you who share the same precious faith we have, faith given to us by Jesus Christ our God and Savior who makes us right with God. May God bless you with a special favor and wonderful peace as you come to know Jesus, our God and Lord, better and better. Verse 3, as we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He has called us to receive his own glory and goodness, and by that same mighty power, he has given us all of his rich and wonderful promises He has promised that you will escape the decadence all around you caused by evil desires and that you will share in his divine nature. Verse 5, so make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. Then Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I pray that you would get me out of the way and you would get in our way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, the journey and its adventures. The journey of knowing God leads to a life with fewer regrets. Regret's an interesting concept, isn't it? Because we all live with regrets. Because we're all human. So we all make mistakes. And so you look at 2 Peter 1.6, knowing God leads to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance. And patient endurance leads to godliness. So let's break this down for a second. Now, I will tell you this about regret. Any of us who've walked with, uh, lived for any decent amount of time, we have regrets in our life because we all make mistakes. You can't do anything about yesterday, but today's today and tomorrow's coming. And so what Peter's saying right here is, listen, knowing God is going to lead to a life of less regrets. Not that we're not going to make any more mistakes, but the fact of the matter is, when we know God, now watch this. So when we know God, knowing God, the Bible says, leads to self-control. Self-control is your best friend on any day. Wouldn't you say? 
I mean, you think about all the stupid things you've done in your life. Think about it. All the mistakes, all the stupid stuff that we do because we're human. If at that moment of time, we would have actually said, Holy Spirit, would you please help me have some self-control right now? I know there's a reason that it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And so could you please help husbands? Husbands? Okay, are there any men here married? Okay, good. All of you are shacking up. All right. (laughs) I don't know what you're doing. Husbands, how many times have you wished you would have had self-control before those words came out of your mouth? (laughs) Help me, Jesus. Help me right now. Lord, help me. Yeah, and I'm not even going to talk to the women because I get in trouble when I do that. But so, yeah. Uh, Raina can do that next time she speaks. No, self-control is such a great friend. And you can only have self-control by having a relationship with God. The journey of knowing God leads to a life with fewer regrets. Can't change yesterday. You can start today and you can look forward to tomorrow. And if you want to live the next span of your life with fewer regrets than maybe you have today, today is the starting point. Today is where you get going. And, and the baseline of that is knowing God better. Knowing God leads to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance. In other words, Peter's saying, look, you got to know God. How do I know God? I know God by reading my Bible. I know God by talking with him and walking with him. That's how I know God. God gave us this book, and it's called the Bible, and it's his love letter to us. This is how I know God. And the more I know God, the more self-control I have. The more self-control I have, the more I'm going to have patient endurance. In other words, I'm not going to jump ship. I'm I'm not going to... Because some of us, we hate patience, don't we? I have, I have what I've defined as hurried sickness. Any of you pull up to a red light and, and gauge the lanes? Yes? Yeah, you're like, it's so stupid. Because it's like, you're not going to get any, like, quit. But I can't help it. If there's three cars over here and two over here, I am going to get in the lane with two cars. Even if, I, even if it threatens my bodily harm, I'm just like, when my kids were little, and I, I hate that I did this, but I did it, and I still have heard sickness. I would make a game of how quick I could get them in the bathtub, out of the bathtub, and get them to sleep. I would. I, I, and, and to this day, they think bathing is a competition. <laughs> my daughter's 23, my son's 19, and they're like, I did, didn't I? We go through things, and we don't want to be patient. Patience is not an American identity culture thing. Patience, I want it my way. I want it now. I want to go through, like, the drive-thru is another example. I'll go through the drive-thru by myself, order something, not that I would ever go to a place like McDonald's. But if I did, you go there, and they're like, sir, could you pull up to the yellow line? Oh, no. No. And it's so funny because they, 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 like, they're turning and looking for, he's not pulling up. I ain't pulling up nowhere. You call this fast food? It's fast food. I'm not going anywhere. All I did was order a Happy Meal. <laughs> we don't like to be patient. 
We do not like to be patient. But through knowing God, we gain self-control. And as we gain self-control, whatever might be going on in our life at that moment, God gives us patient endurance to walk through what's actually going on in our life during that season. And patient endurance leads to godliness. Patient endurance. So I know God, and by knowing God, I gain self-control in my life. And through gaining self-control... There is a part of me that didn't used to be there that's there now that's going to be patient and endure whatever I'm going through. And by walking that out and being patient and enduring that, there's an awesome godliness that comes about my life. I love people who have been walking with God for a while, who have been through years of maybe turmoil at certain times of their life. There's a godliness about them. And they'll tell you, I didn't like that season of my life. I, I wasn't, it, it wasn't like I was like, woohoo. But I walked through that season of my life, and, and there's a godliness about that, that type of person. Self control is your best friend. Young people in this room right now, maybe you're, you're in high school, maybe you're about to go out to college, maybe you're in middle school. Self control is your best friend. Self control will keep you out of trouble more times than you'll get. Now, you're going to get in trouble. Parents, your kids are going to get in trouble. That's just, I raised two of them. It's going to happen. But, but just let me talk to you as a teenager or as a young person. Self-control will keep you away from more trouble than you're already going to get in. Right. Sir, in this room right now, self-control will keep you from regretting decisions that you make on a whim down the road. Regrets. Ma'am, self-control will keep you from living a life of regret down the road. Can't change yesterday. You can start today, and you can look towards the future. Self-control is a really, really, really good friend, and it leads to a life of godliness. Number two, you guys good? You with me? All right, here we go. The journey with God will birth real love. 2 Peter 1, 7, godliness leads to love for other Christians, and finally you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. So we go from self-control into patient endurance into godliness. Now, this, look, mark this in your Bible. Put it in your phone. I dare you to tear this passage apart this week in your quiet time. It, Peter, Peter's just, he, he, this whole thing is just amazing. It's like a formula is basically what he's given us. And so godliness, going into verse 7, leads to love for other Christians. Now, here's the deal. You don't have to like Every Christian, but you got to love them, right? And I, this is probably for some other church somewhere else. I know none of you would ever do this. <laughs> but if you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you'll stop talking about them in a negative way. Woo! And again, I know that's none of you. But, but gossip about someone else that God calls their child is just wrong. Do you know gossip is right in line with orgies in the Bible? It's true. You're like, you can say orgies at church? It's in the Bible. (laughs) We ain't going to have one, but you can say it because it's in the Bible. (laughs) Godliness leads leads to love for other Christians. So, so encapsulate that in 
maybe you've got brothers or sisters in Christ that have hurt you in the past. Or maybe they've talked about you. Or maybe you just kind of parted ways. You don't have to have every Christ follower to dinner. You don't have to be best buds. But when I practice self-control and it leads to a patient endurance with relationships, and then that leads me into a lifestyle of godliness, godliness is going to produce in me a love for other Christians. We're called, we're called to that. Isn't that amazing? We, we are called to that. Now watch this. And finally, you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. All we need is love. Love is all we need. I tell you what, the church needs some love. The Church of America, because we're so known for what we're against instead of what we're for. And it, that's terrible. It's heartbreaking. To someone who's given their life to this kind of profession, it is heartbreaking to me that I can run into people on the street that think that the church hates them, is disgusted with them, and could care less about their well-being. And you know, they think that way for a good reason, because it's true many times. And it's so sad. It's so sad to talk to somebody at a gas station, just hang out with them, and finally they'll say, what do you do? I, I, I work at this church, and, and a lot of times I'll just tell them I'm the, the janitor. <laughs> I do, which I am sometimes, right? I, I just tell them that, and they're like, yeah, I just, never, I just can't get into the church because I've done so much stuff wrong. I'm like, oh. That's why, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. So you think about this for a second. The journey with God will birth real love, not just for brothers and sisters in Christ. This is not a us for no more crowd. This is spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth, lo- loving everyone that God sends across our path, letting that love build a bridge so that we can tell them about Jesus, loving them by feeding them, loving by clothing them, loving them by bringing a cold cup of water, loving them in everything, just loving my coworker, being, hey, how's this? Just be nice tomorrow at work. There's a concept. Maybe the next great revival in the church will come through. Christians being nice. Right now, let's write a book. Look, well, here's what we'll do. We'll, nice Christians, and then you remember the flip things when you were in grade school? You'd make, yeah, we'll just put a, a face that's a frown, and then as you flip through the book, it turns into a smile. New York's bestseller list right there. The journey with God will birth a real love. In other words, the more I get to know God, the more I'm reminded of what he did for me by sending his only son, and the more humbled I am, to be called a Christian. Therefore, why would I want to keep someone else from experiencing that love because I'm a jerk? See, that journey, knowing God, breeds that godliness, and that godliness creates a genuine love. I love that genuine love. Yeah, the world's looking for genuine people, right? Because everybody's fake. Everybody's fake these days. I mean, some of their body parts are fake, their, their skin's fake, some of their smiles are fake. So you, it, it's like a plastic society. And, and, and instead of just really, really like being who you are in God, reaching out to people who are looking for something genuine. And Peter is saying, look, the only way that can happen is the process, knowing God, self-control, patient endurance godliness, love. 
Let's keep going. Number three. Every journey produces fruit. Second Peter 1, 8 and 9. The more you grow like this, the more you will become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. But those who fail to develop these virtues are blind, are at least very short-sighted. They have forgotten that God has cleansed them from their old, old life of sin. So go back to, to verse 8. Every journey produces fruit. Now watch this. When we think about producing fruit, we think about Jesus being the vine and us being the branches. And we think about producing a fruit of the Spirit in our life, and, and, and rightfully so. But here's the idea. Whatever lifestyle you choose is going to produce fruit whether it poisons those closest to you or whether it brings life, it's going to produce fruit. I mean, if, if I take Anthony out, which we're going to do this afternoon because he's had so much sleep this week. Um, <laughs> he's been with the teenagers in, in a Miami on a missions trip. I tell you what, he looked like he had been on a binge this morning. I'm like, <laughs> And I almost came up to you and said, Hey, how was your vacation in Miami? <laughs> we'll share more about that mission trip next week. But but so so Anthony, let's go out to this farm and and I take Anthony to a tree and that tree is full of apples. And I say, "Hey, how do you like this orange tree?" He's going to look at me and go, "Pastor Jason, you need a vacation." Because, uh, no, that's an orange tree, Anthony. No, it's not. It's like, no. Well, that's an apple tree. No, it's an orange tree. No, it's an apple A tree is judged by what? So, quite possibly, you may be here today, and the fruit of the way that you've been living your life is destruction, hurt. It has kind of created a tornado of sorts around those closest to you. See, because every journey produces a fruit. But again, the most amazing thing is, is you got to call it what it is. If the tree's got stinking apples on it, it's an apple tree. And you got to quit trying to convince yourself that the way that you're living is okay because when you look in the rearview mirror of your life, you just see a path of destruction. But the awesome thing is, is bam, that was yesterday. Tear the rearview mirror off of life, start today and move forward and begin to live your life in such a way that you start producing fruit for good. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Start, start, start living your life in such a way where this juicy fruit, I like to call it, this juicy fruit starts growing in your life. Because here's the deal. Are we, all, are we going to be perfect? No. But when we strive to know God and we're patient with God because he's patient with us and he's long-suffering, and then we walk into this area of godliness, not perfectness, but godliness in the way that we're living our life, and then you, the more you grow like this, the more you will become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the more that you become godly in your life, the more people are going to look at you and go, hey, I think you're weird, but I like you. There's something different about you. Could you please tell me what that's about? And then going into verse 9, 
But those who fail to develop these virtues are blind or at least very short-sighted. They have already forgotten that God has cleansed them from their old lifestyle of sin. Look, so let the Holy Spirit step on your toes just for a second. Um, You can walk with the Lord long enough where if you're not careful, you find yourself, before you know it, judging other people. It's true. By the way they look, by, I mean, a plethora of ways. In, in the way that you've, way, the, it's called religion, and it's called pride. And, and you start, you start just very slowly, but you wind up one day where your heart is harder than the crackhead's heart down under the bridge smoking a crack pipe. And God's looking at us going, what are you doing? Why are you being so mean? Why are you judging people? What, like, what, what are you doing? It's because we've forgotten what it was like to try to lay our head on a pillow at night and not have any peace. We have forgotten what it was like to reach out and, and go after the things of the world only for them to let us down and crash all around us. We've forgotten, and and we've gotten so good at being super Christians. And that's what Peter is saying right there to the church. Listen, you've got to keep developing this. This is not a one-time deal. This is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. This is a a everyday reading my Bible, knowing God, being humble, thanking God with everything that's in me for saving me and finding me and rescuing me. It's an everyday deal. Because if you walk with God every day of your life, it's very hard to get prideful. Because if you're walking with God every day, that means you're reading your Bible and talking. You can't read your Bible and talk with God and get really prideful unless you get really prideful about reading your Bible and talking with God. And then God's like, oh, yeah, it's going down. So so here, here's, the, here's the idea. Every journey produces fruit. And so for those of us in this room right now that know Jesus Christ and profess Him as our Savior, here's application for this week. Take a few minutes, get alone, and look at your life and go, hey, what kind of fruit am I producing? What what kind of fruit is my life producing? Because we're going to stand before God one day, um, and we'll talk about heaven in just a second. We're going to stand before God one day, and we're going to give an account for our life. Some of you are like, Isn't that just a fairy tale? (laughs) It's in the Bible. We will stand before God, and God's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? We will. That's so sobering and very humbling. And, And to answer that question, you have to look at your life right now and go, what kind of fruit am I producing? Number four, I only have 10 points, so you guys hang in there, okay? I'm just kidding. Any journey is hard work. The journey and its adventure. 2 Peter 1.10. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Doing this, you will never stumble or fall away. So you think about, when I, I read this passage, I was like, God, thank you. I know this is what I'm supposed to preach on. But I get to verse 10. I'm reading about being short-sighted in verse 9, which I am short-sighted. I can't see anything anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
I finally went to the eye doctor, and she was like, how do you function? And there was a, there was a, a blessed soul that gave me some dollar store glasses, and it has changed my life. It's awesome. I don't want to become a short-sighted Christian. And then you get into this whole idea. So, if I don't want to become a short-sighted Christian, so, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen doing this, you will never stumble or fall away. And so I'm like, oh, I can't preach this. Because I stumble. And there have been times in my life that I've fallen away. Like, what are you saying? And the Holy Spirit, yeah, I just had one of those Holy Spirit moments, which is awesome, right? And hopefully I have a lot of those while I'm studying to share with you. And, and the Lord's just like, Jason, who wrote this? And I said, well, it, I, the book's called Peter, Second Peter, so I'm pretty sure it was Peter. Well, yeah, we know it was Peter. And then I just started thinking. He's not saying you're never going to stumble, but what he's saying is because obviously Peter denied Christ three times, Christ in his moment of greatest need. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I just, it just floored me. I'm like, oh, I get it now. I totally get it. What Peter's saying is, is if I have self-control, I'm going to have a patient endurance, which he had to have to on the road to recovery. And then he could, and then godliness, he's saying godliness will be produced in you because Peter had lived this. He had walked it out. But you know what Peter didn't do? Peter didn't fall away. He hung in there. He went fishing first, which I think is very godly. Fishing, godliness. My grandma used to say, my grandma would say, cleanliness is godliness. I say fishing is godliness. So, so you got you to gotta look at this in its context. This is Peter who denied Christ, but he ran back to Jesus. He ran back. The only difference between Peter and And Judas was Judas ran away from God. Peter ran to God. So much so that when they were out fishing, Jesus is on the the shore cooking up some fish. Peter realizes who it is, and he wraps his cloak around him, and he jumps in the water. He doesn't even wait. Like he's, whoo, he's gone. And he runs back to the Lord. And that's, that's the amazing story in John 21 where God asks him, Jesus says, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Ask him three times. Ask him three times because Christ, uh, Peter had denied Christ three times. And he restored him. And so, but that, that was hard work. It, it's hard work. So, so it's not that we're never going to mess up, but the harder we work in our spiritual walk, and don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about hard work as in deeds. I'm talking about hard work, about like having a quiet time. And you're like, that doesn't sound like hard work. You haven't done it. You mean reading your Bible is hard work every day? If you can't answer that question for yourself, you're not reading your Bible every day. Yes. You mean being honest and brutal, brutally honest before God is hard work? Absolutely. Absolutely, it's hard work. And so this, this whole idea of us being on this journey with God, you're going to have to realize anything worth having is, is hard work, right? Anything. Last thing, number five. 
the God journey ends in a good place. Second Peter, still in chapter 1, verse 11. So now Peter's walked us through this whole scenario, right? Please mark this down in your Bible, on your iPhone, your iPad, or whatever you use to read the Bible. This is, and dig into this this week. Just take it verse by verse and, and ask the Lord to, to make it life to you. So he's walked us through this whole process. And now, here's the payoff. And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heaven is a very real place such as hell. But I just, I just think, I can't imagine, I try, but the Bible says it's like things that we can't even think of. I'm paraphrasing. So here, here's another application for this week. I dare you to get alone by yourself this week and just think about heaven for like 10 minutes. Just think about, just think about heaven and what the Bible says about heaven. Because if you believe this book, which we, we do, and we've said we're not going to argue this book, it's perfect. We'll argue some other stuff with you if you want to, if you want to waste your time. But we're not, we're not arguing this book. This is what Coastline Community Church is all about. It's the Bible. What's your church believe? We believe the Bible. What? What do you really believe? We believe the Bible. Now, what do you really believe? We believe the Bible. Can't be that simple, can it? Anyway. So, so... If you believe the Bible, which we do, you have to identify in your own heart that, that idea of standing before God one day, giving an account of your life, and walking through the gates of heaven as a Christ follower. Woo! And you know, like, it, you can't put it into words. It's every loved one that you've lost that knows Jesus. Standing, I think, standing waiting and and it's just a party it's just a massive party you do and 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 it goes on forever and ever and ever every tribe every nation and so i was trying to explain this was years ago i was trying to explain heaven to my son and he was super into surfing then and we were we went to puerto rico and surfed back and um i said dylan he said dad what's heaven gonna be like i said all right He's, he's goofy-footed, I think. Or am I goofy-footed? I don't know. His left foot goes in the back, whatever that means. And, and so I said, you know that perfect six-foot glassy wave that never ends? He's like, yeah. I said, times that infinity plus a million plus a million plus a million. He's like, <laughs> like wow. So just think about heaven this week. Think about whatever floats your boat, man, whatever it is, like catching a fish every time you throw the lure out or shooting the biggest deer or whatever, I mean, whatever it is. Some of you are like, no. (laughs) I'm not saying you're going to be able to hunt in heaven. I am. Whatever you decide to do. Here's the point. And God will open the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tell you what, if you're serious about your walk with God and if you're serious about your journey, we're going to go on a journey together this summer. And the start of that journey 
2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through, and I stopped at 11 because of time's sake, but go, go all the way through 15. It is a formula. It, it will, if you, if you walk that stuff out in your life, it will change your life because the Bible is a change agent. We, we read it and we don't, we don't apply it. If you apply that to your life, I guarantee you six months from now, you'll be a different person. No doubt. So, as the Bible says, those gates will fling wide open and we will spend eternity with Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. However, the Bible also says the only way to get to that point is through Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. In other words, until we step out in faith and confess Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we, we're not going to see those gates open. But the moment that we open our hearts and, and put our faith in God through what Jesus Christ did for us, at that moment, the Bible says we're made into a new creation. And thus starts the journey and its adventures. Amen. And that's why we exist. That's why this church exists. So people can know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and start that journey. So maybe you're here today and you say, I need a fresh start. I need a starting point. I need some things to change in my life. And I'm realizing at this very moment, I need Jesus Christ in my life. If that's you, today's your day. Today, June 14th, today is your day. Start anew, fresh, awesome, a new life. Grace, mercy, God's love showering you. So that's you. Would you bow your head right now all over this place? Nobody's moving around unless they have to. Father, thank you for this moment. And God, right now, I am so grateful for your love and your grace and your mercy. And Lord, if there are those of us here today that really, really need a change and need you to do something in, in their heart, God, I pray we would have the boldness to recognize that and do something about it. So if that's you and you're here today, just like many people in the first service, that's you. You say, I need a change. I need a fresh start. I need something to change in my life. If that's you, would you slip your hand up long enough for me to see it? I see your hand. And then put it right back down. I see your hand. That's awesome. I need a change in my life. I need, I need God to do something amazing in my life. Anyone else, I need to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. If you raised your hand right there where you're sitting, would you just pray with me? And when, when church is over today, go out to the welcome tent, get a Bible, get a devotion, talk with someone, get signed up for a life group. And uh, I'm so excited about your, your new journey. So right now, Father... We come to you. Just open your heart and pray with me. And I thank you, God, for chasing me. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy in my life. And right now, I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe they placed him in a grave, and I believe he rose from that grave, and he's coming back for me one day. So thank you, God, right now that your love, your grace, and your mercy are flooding my soul. Help me on this new path and this new journey, Lord, and let me look at it through the eyes of adventure. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you.